1: Testament book of Micah. Now muster yourselves in troops, daughter of troops. They have laid siege against us. With a rod they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: The title of tonight's sermon is called Peace Unveiled. The first week we looked at Victory Unveiled. Last week was "Blessing," uh, the Blessing Unveiled, and this week is, is Peace Unveiled. So when you think about peace, what does it mean for you to have peace in your life? What does it mean if you truly feel like you are at peace in your life? Maybe the job's going well. Maybe your relationships are in h- perfect harmony. You're finally getting the good breaks that you, uh, you've you hoped for. Things are going well. But, but many times I, I find that we don't have active peace in our lives. And in fact, too many times people go around feeling wrong on the inside. For example, too many people don't like who they are. Too many people are overly critical of themselves. Too many people focus on their faults and they focus on their weaknesses and instead of focusing on the, the truths of who God is and who God says they are. Many times there's this recording that just plays over and over in our minds that tells us of all the wrong that we've done, all the mistakes that we've made, and how unworthy we are of God's love, much less how unworthy, we, or how, much, un, how unworthy we are of the love of someone else. But there's a way for us to have a different narrative playing within our minds. This is not the way God's designed you to go around having this negative soundtrack or playing in your head all the time you're not a finished product in your life right now and of course you're not going to live up to the expectations that you think you should but the question is why are you not accepting yourself where you are if God is accepting you where you are why would you hold yourself to a higher standard than the standard that God has for you it's not saying that it's fine to go around and do things that you know you shouldn't do it's not a license to go out and sin but it is an understanding of what the gospel says about us and who the gospel says we are. We are accepted by grace alone, and our continuing relationship with God is also based on grace alone. It's not based on us being able to live up to a certain standard. So being down on yourself isn't going to lead you forward this Christmas season. Being negative about all the things that you're doing wrong isn't going to cause you to take that next step of spiritual faith you have to accept yourself as you are right now. You don't have to accept the things that you're struggling with, but you have to accept who you are right now and realize that God accepts you where you are right now. Then, once you monumentally get past that leap of faith, which is really hard to understand in some ways because our human relationships don't always work that way, but when we finally grasp it, then we're able to have the peace that God has for us. It's able to get into our lives And it's ready to be unveiled in our lives. And then once it gets unveiled in our lives, we're able to be transmitters of God's grace to other people. I think two of you are excited about this. I want you to read with me in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. This will be a a memory verse if you want to take this one verse away from tonight and, and commit it to memory this week and And remind yourself of peace that God has for us. And Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'll read it again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, it will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for me this Christmas season. Just a few moments ago, Katie read for us in the book of Micah. And Micah is a a minor prophet in the Old Testament with a major message. And my Connect group just this past week talked about the prophets in the Old Testament. And we talked about specifically uh, these these twelve minor prophets that are different books in the Old Testament. However, they are traditionally one big book of the Old Testament broken into twelve parts. So before we jump halfway through the, the Bible, Micah falls about, if you have a, an old-fashioned Bible right there, it's a little past midway in the Bible. So what happened up to this point in Micah? So I'm going to give you a really fast overview of the Old Testament. Are you ready? Okay, you've got to be paying attention. Here we go. It all started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they did not trust God's plan. And so what they did is they decided to rebel against him, and that's when sin entered the world. Instead of having communion where they walked with God, which is what it talked about in the garden in chapters 1 and 2, they walked with him. Instead, they were separated, and now they were banished from the garden. In chapter 3, uh, they're, they're gone, and sin now separates us from God. We're no longer walking with him. Well, it doesn't get any better. That's when peace left and wickedness started to rule. And in Genesis chapter 6, just a few chapters later, we see this written, this is chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I want to read that one one more time, because it has a lot of strong words in it. And I, I loved reading the Micah verse, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Just the, the language that we have is, is so powerful. Every word was chosen with Great meaning. Again, we'll say, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and God was grieved in his heart. Okay, so this wickedness wasn't like they didn't pay their taxes like they should have, okay? There were some really bad things happening on the, in the world at this point. The level of wickedness that was going on here, I think I can guarantee none of us have ever experienced the kind of wickedness that we were seeing. If you've seen the, the most recent movie, uh, Noah, which came out just a few years ago, you know it's controversial in a few ways, but one thing it did a good job of is it showed how the wickedness of man before the flood. It did a good job of showing how grotesque and wicked and evil uh, they were and what they were doing. Bad things were happening. But God used this flawed man named Noah who who made a lot of mistakes. He used him to keep humanity going. And he even gave Noah a covenant after the great flood and said, I'll never destroy the earth in this way again. And then later on, there's a guy named Abraham who kept this plan of God going. And he was flawed too. And we saw that last week that he was still blessed even though he made some major mistakes. And God gave him a covenant of blessing that he said, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless the entire world. And you and I are here today as recipients of that same covenant of blessing. And then we jump ahead into the book of Judges. And Judges is intense. There's a lot of disobedience and there's a lot of idolatry and it's rated r for reason it's uh it's a strong book and we see disobedience idolatry and destruction later in the book of samuel we see samuel was a prophet and he was uh his sons were raised up after him they were selfish they wanted to be number one and they suffered because of that keep fast forwarding uh samuel uh god says to samuel my people have rejected me they don't want me as their king anymore they want their own king and so God gave them what they wanted and said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. You know who he gave them? That's right, Saul. Saul became their king. And Saul was a very flawed man. Major issues, lots of potential, but it did not bode well for him or for Israel. Then came another man right after Saul, David. King David, a man after God's own heart. But we uh, know from the scriptures too that David was a very flawed man and he had a lot of issues as well. Then there came his son Solomon, who was the wisest of them all. He's written some of the, the great Proverbs and, and books of the Old Testament for us. But he too was greatly flawed. Then there was a uh, division between the, uh, in Israel. So Israel and Judah split apart, and you had the north and the south. And Israel rejects God basically outright, and Judah attempts to pursue God. Then you get the prophets, and you get all the 12 minor prophets, and and basically the same story with different characters, so, you know, you know, like a good episode of, uh, a, a, I can't think of the word right now, this is why I'm manuscript right here, because sometimes you start to say something off the cuff, and you can't think of the next word, um, but a show, a sitcom, there you go, so sitcoms, a lot of them are, are the same, right? You're like, okay, I know where this is going, there's the relationship, there's the the love interest, there's all these things, it's just different characters, different time frame. Well, the the prophets are pretty much the same way where they have the same recurring theme. There's a great sin, and the prophet says, you're going to face judgment unless you repent. And then they face it, and then the third step is, but there is a hope of restoration for you. So it's like sin, judgment, restoration. Sin, judgment, restoration. Sin, judgment, restoration. So it just keeps going in this cycle. So, what's it going to take to bring peace to this world? What's it going to take to break this cycle of sin, judgment, and restoration? How can we live at peace with God? And so, this Christmas, I want us to remember these three truths that you can follow along in your worship notes that look like this. Three truths to help us live at peace with God this Christmas season. The first thing is number one, we have our Savior. We have our Savior. The Old Testament people were looking for the Savior to come. They were anticipating, and an Advent means anticipating. We're looking forward to something. We're anticipating the birth of Christ. The Old Testament, they are looking forward for the Messiah to come, for the Messiah to come. And we believe now, we look back and we say, yes, the Messiah did, in fact, come, and his name is Jesus. And so we have our Savior. We're not anticipating him arriving he already has this is very easy for us to forget after a single night's sleep i would imagine if you wake up tomorrow morning it would be hard for your first thought to be i have a savior usually it's i need to brush my teeth right i'm hungry i need a shower but you go to bed you wake up and you forget this fantastic news that i have a savior The next thing you know, you're trying to save yourself that day. You're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to justify yourself. And you forget the basic, simple, miraculous fact that you have a Savior. You forget you have a Savior. You're not waiting for Him, but you have Him. Micah was warning his people of God's judgment, but he also breathed peace into their lives that there was this one guy's There's this one who's going to come and he's going to save you one day. So look with me again in Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. It says, Now muster yourselves in troops, daughters of troops. They have laid siege against us. With a rod, they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. So that's, you can see, not good news. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of judah from you O little one from you one will go forth from me to be ruler in israel his goings forth are from long ago and from the days of eternity so for micah's audience that he was speaking to them they were going through terrible times of judgment they were laid siege against us they would smite the judge of israel on the cheek But then there was this breath of hope that said, but Bethlehem, something wonderful is going to happen through you. Now it's going to be hundreds of years later for them. Hundreds of years before this this child would be born in Bethlehem. They were not going to see the Savior. But He was going to be their Savior too. Does that make sense? They were never going to see Him. Hundreds of years were going to pass before his Savior would come. But hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, this would still be their Savior. He would be the one who would go forth from them. He would be the ruler of Israel. It also says that he is eternal. It's speaking forward to Christ, saying hope is coming. It's bad now, yes, but keep faith that God has not forgotten you, and he will send a Savior to you. Today, we look back on the event of Christ's birth, and we see our Savior, we don't have to wait for Him to come and rescue us because He already has. Jesus has come to save you. Through your faith and through baptism, you receive the Holy Spirit now, the Comforter, the power of God. Remember to live as a dependent on your Savior. I have my Savior. We have our Savior. We have Him. You're not on your own, but you were bought with a price. Feel good about yourself. Feel good that God loves you because Jesus gave his life for you. Rest in that peace. Live in victory because salvation has come to you, and it's nothing that you did to earn it. It's a gift from God to you. And I want you to, in Christ to live empowered this season. I have peace. I have a Savior because I am a child of God. So the first step in in living in peace is understanding that we have a Savior. Never forget this truth. The second one is this. Our hope is renewed. We have a Savior is number one. Number two is our hope is renewed. when, When people lose hope, they are quickly finding themselves on the road to despair. And if you don't think there's a way out, then sometimes these crazy thoughts can overwhelm your mind. So at all costs, never lose hope. Our hope is renewed. Christmas guarantees that we can always have hope. As Christmas says because of what Christ has done, no matter what happens in your life, you have hope. Because the hope is not in us, the hope is securely found in Jesus. And now it is found in us through faith in Him. Micah chapter 5, verse 3 reads this. Therefore, he, speaking of God, will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. So this is referring to a time period where there's going to be an age of silence. This is where from Malachi to Matthew, there's about a 400-year gap of where uh, the Protestants, we believe that God went silent for 400 years to where this prophetic voice was not there. There are some Catholic writings that point to some, what we would say, apocryphal writings. Uh, we think highly of the apocryphal writings, but we don't use them as canon, so they're not in, the, in, our, in our 66 books of the Bible. Uh, but there are good things in there that teach us about history and even things about God. But there's this time that we believe that God was silent, and He did not speak to His people. But then one day, about 400 years later, He spoke powerfully until that time when he was born to a woman. And then then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. So again, there's about 400 years of radio silence, but then it says the one is coming in due time, born of a woman, and the rest of his brothers will rejoin the Israelites. He's saying it's going to seem like all hope is lost. It's going to seem like God has abandoned us but keep faith because there's a reason for your hope to be renewed today hope is coming endure the season of suffering endure the silence because hope is coming and paul even talked about this in the new testament uh, book of thessalonians to the people of thessalonica and he encouraged them also to never lose hope there's a famous uh, passage of scripture where paul talks about one day uh, because they were asking the question hey paul what about, you know, I know Christ is here and he, he rose from the dead and we believe in him, but, but what about our ancestors that died before Christ rose from the dead? What, what about them? Are, are, they, are they in hell? What, what happened to them? And he told them to, to rejoice in the fact that one day God is going to uh, send, Christ is going to come back and he's going to uh, resurrect the dead. And they said, those who have fallen asleep, which means who are dying, who have died, Those who have fallen asleep are going to be raised first, and then all of us who are alive at the return of Christ will be transformed into our resurrected bodies, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and you're going to see them again. So he's saying, encourage one another with this. This is the verse he says. He says, therefore, in verse 418, comfort one another with these words. He was saying, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and all those who are asleep in Christ will be resurrected from the dead when Jesus returns to establish this new earth and new heaven. He says hope is renewed. We are to encourage one another when we feel hopeless. Yes, when we go through difficult times, we cry with one another. We mourn with those who mourn. You don't start quoting scripture to people as soon as they've lost lost a loved one, right? We cry with them. We mourn with them. But we don't stay there. We don't remain in that state of mourning because God has given us hope. Our hope is renewed. One day we're going to see fully that death has lost. That we're now free to live with no more fear of death and that God's going to save us from all of our enemies, especially our ultimate enemy of death. So he's saying hope has come. Our hope is renewed. We have a Savior, but we also have this ultimate hope, not only now, but of the heaven and new earth that is to come. Hope at what Jesus will bring with him at his ultimate return. So keep your head up. Believe in Jesus. Remember you're of great value. And Jesus has guaranteed that. Remember you have a purpose in life. You're here for a reason. God has called you to bring peace into the world. So the next step in in living at peace is to have your hope renewed every day. So number number one, we have a Savior number 2 our hope is renewed and number 3 which is the best one you ready our peace is god's presence our peace is god's presence not like christmas presents but as he he's as in he's with us his presence this is important we are not alone you are never alone God is with us. God is with me, even right now. God is peace. And God is with me. Is God with you right now? Look with me in Micah chapter 5, verse 4 and following. It says, And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one this one will be our peace. So what it's saying here this Jesus will be our peace. Peace is not a concept, it's not something that's found within us. I googled something this week and it says I try to figure out, you know, how do you know if you have peace in your life? And there was this guy who seemed like he'd taken tranquilizers. He was on this uh, YouTube video. He was like, peace is this and this and that. And, and it seemed really peaceful. But his, the way he got to the peace on the inside sounded a little, little hokey to me. And Because you know why? Because it, it was. You just kind of make this stuff up. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. I need something I can believe in. It's not something that you discover for yourself. But, but peace is the fact that you have been discovered by someone else, that God has found you. He has sought you out. He is your Savior. You're the one who has been found by God. We don't, even doctrinally speaking, it's not that we don't find Him. He finds us. Now, there is this moment where it seems like we find Him. We, we discover our, our, our eyes are open, and we say, oh, it's Jesus. He's the truth, and we come to faith in it, and it feels like we find Him, but doctrinally speaking, is God who pursues us, and it's him who finds us. And so peace is not a concept. It's not an entity or, or, or a thought that we're supposed to, to go out and find somewhere, but peace has a name, and peace's name is Jesus. We're given peace when we live in the presence of Jesus. We see this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. So I want you to participate with me again, okay? I need you to get your vocals ready, all right? Smile. When I point to you, I want you to say, God is with me. You ready? Let's practice once. Ready? God is with me. Okay, a little louder this time. I'm going to get more excited and help you out. Ready? When you struggle, say, when you lose hope, say, when you are tempted to sin, say, when you have no way out, say, a little louder, guys. When you're frustrated and you feel like screaming, say, see see how that works? When you're fearful, because the doctor needs to run more tests, say, say when you don't feel like talking out loud in church but the pastor points at you anyway, say yes, God is with me. This is the point of Christmas that God is with me. God's peace is his presence. He is with us. He's not this unknowable force somewhere This something that we're trying to seek after, but God is with us. He has made Himself known to us. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For a child, a, a baby child, a child that we could touch a couple thousand years ago, was born to us. God made Himself known. He will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on His shoulders. And His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, There's that deity of God, or Jesus coming out again. And also this beautiful name right here, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is with all who call on him as Lord. And so the question you just need to know is, is Jesus your Lord? Do you have peace? Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is he the source of your hope? Do you say, I have a Savior, and my hope is renewed because of Jesus? Then if, if the answer is yes, then His presence in your life will be your peace. The third step in living in the peace of God is understanding that God's peace is His presence. And saying these words over and over again to yourself, God is with me. God is with me. I'm not alone. God is with me. And there's different ways to say that. When you are going through difficult times, you can remind yourself, solemnly. God is with me. When you're going through celebratory wives, Woo! God is with me. But we never forget that God is with us through Christ. Now, Christmas, even in Hollywood culture, according to Ricky Bobby, people get fascinated with little baby Jesus, right? And we think, oh, that's cute. And I imagine, I'm sorry my kids are listening, I'm sorry, but I bet Jesus was probably the cutest baby ever, all right? He probably really was a beautiful baby. But this little baby is more than a baby. This little baby grew up to be a magnificent, majestic Savior. And this little baby, before he was a baby, was our Creator, he was God. He was God and He was with God. And in in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 in the New Testament points to the majestic nature of who Jesus is. He's not just a cute baby, but he is this. And I want you to to read this. We'll, We'll close with this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and following. It says, He, and it's speaking of Christ. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Of all creation. And that doesn't mean that he was born first. It means that he has the the rights over all creation. That means all creation belongs to him. Alright? It's a positional thing, not a, a birth, a birthing thing. For by him, by Christ, all things were created, both in heaven, in the heavens, and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Christ and for Christ. He, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, which is the church. So the church of God is the body of God. And he, Christ, is the beginning The firstborn from the dead. And that one is positionally speaking because it's talking about he died and he was resurrected like no one else has ever been before. He's the first of his type. He's the prototype, if you will. And one day we're going to be resurrected in Christ as well, like him. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place or preeminence in everything, he's the priority. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness, and this is talking about the deity, it is the Father's good pleasure that all of God dwelled in Christ. And through Christ, God reconciled all things to Himself, having made what? Peace through the blood of the cross. Through Jesus, I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. This baby that's born, that we celebrated at Christmas time, is more than a baby. He is peace himself. He's the Prince of Peace, He's the Creator. And the only reason that we have peace this Christmas is because this baby grew up. And he ended up taking uh, the road to Calvary. And he took the death that you and I deserve for our sin. And God accepted his sacrifice. And we know that he accepted it because Christ rose from the dead. It pleased God. And now you and I have peace with God. Romans 5.1 talks about that. We have been reconciled to God through Christ. And we now have peace with him. And if we have peace with God, now we can start to have peace with one another. And when the enemy comes to you tomorrow morning, when your alarm goes off, and you have to get out of bed, and your peace is attacked, remind yourself that God is with me. I have a Savior. My hope today is renewed. And peace is God's presence, and God is with me. And this Jesus is the powerful creator, the redeemer. He's for me. But more than that, not just even being for me, he is with me. Because of Jesus, peace is unveiled in our lives. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the peace that you bring to us. And we live in a world that is replete with unrest and with war and injustice. But God, you have entered into that broken world and you have laid down your life in a wonderful way to bring peace to our lives, to bring peace between us and you. Father, without your grace, there is hostility between us and you because just like Adam and Eve, we don't trust your plans. We want to do our own thing and and it separates us from you. And so Lord, I pray that you would melt our hearts and if, if we are still in a, a position of hostility and not trusting in your grace, God, move us to trust you, to give our lives to you. And if that is our position, God, remind us that you are with us and that we are not alone. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Prince of Peace, and may we never lose hope this season or ever again. In Jesus' name, amen.